0: Chapter 5b of Anticipations. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Anticipations by H. G. Wells. Chapter 5b. Now, patriotism is not a thing that flourishes in the void. One needs a foreigner. A national and patriotic party is an anti-foreign party. The altar of the modern god, Democracy, will cry aloud for the stranger men. Simply to keep in power, and out of no love of mischief, the government of the party machine will have to insist upon dangers and national differences, to keep the voter to the poll by alarms, seeking ever to taint the possible nucleus of any competing organization with the scandal of external influence. The party press will play the watchdog and allay all internal dissensions with its warning bay at some adjacent people, and the adjacent peoples, for reasons to be presently expanded, will be continually more sensitive to such baying. Already one sees country yelping at country all over the modern world, not only in the matter of warlike issues, but with a note of quite furious commercial rivalry, quite furious and indeed quite insane since its ideal of trading enormously with absolutely ruined and tradeless foreigners, exporting everything and importing nothing, is obviously outside reason altogether. The inexorable doom of these governments based on the grey is to foster enmity between people and people. Even their alliances are but sacrifices to intenser antagonisms, and the phases of the democratic sequence are simple and pure, forced on by a relentless competition, The tone of the outcries will become fiercer and fiercer, the occasions of excitement, the perilous moments, the ingenuities of annoyance, more and more dramatic, from the mere emptiness and disorder of the general mind. Jealousies and anti-foreign enactments, tariff manipulations and commercial embitterment, destructive, foolish, exasperating obstructions that benefit no human being, will minister to this craving without completely allaying it nearer and even nearer the politicians of the coming time will force one another towards the verge not because they want to go over it not because any wants to go over it but because they are by their very nature compelled to go that way because to go in any other direction is to break up and lose power and consequently the final development of the democratic system so far as intrinsic forces go will be not the rule of the boss nor the rule of the trust nor the rule of the newspaper no rule indeed but international rivalry international competition international exasperation and hostility and at last irresistible and overwhelming the definite establishment of the rule of that most stern and educational of all masters war at this point there opens a tempting path and along it historical precedents like a forest of notice-boards urge us to go at the end of the vista poses the figure of napoleon with caesarism written beneath it disregarding certain alien considerations for a time assuming the free working out of democracy to its conclusion we perceive that in the case of our generalized state the party machine together with the nation entrusted to it must necessarily be forced into passionate national war but having blundered into war the party machine will have an air of having accomplished its destiny a party machine or a popular government is surely as likely a thing to cause a big disorder of war and as unlikely a thing to conduct it as the wit of man working solely to that end could ever have devised i have already pointed out why we can never expect an elected government of the modern sort to be guided by any far-reaching designs it is constructed to get office and keep office not to do anything in office the conditions of its survival are to keep appearances up and taxes down and the care and management of army and navy is quite outside its possibilities footnote one striking illustration of the distinctive possibilities of democratic government came to light during the last term of office for the present patriotic british government As a demonstration of patriotism, large sums of money were voted annually for the purpose of building warships, and the patriotic common man paid the taxes gladly with a dream of irresistible naval predominance to sweeten the payment. But the money was not spent on warships. Only a portion of it was spent, and the rest remained to make a surplus and warm the heart of the common man in his tax-paying capacity. This artful dodge was repeated for several years. The artful Dodger is now a peer, no doubt, abjectly respected, and nobody in the most patriotic party so far evolved is a bit the worse for it. In the organizing expedients of all popular governments, as in the prospectus of unsound companies, the disposition is to exaggerate the nominal capital at the expense of the working efficiency. Democratic armies and navies are always short and probably will always be short of ammunition paint training and reserve stores battalions and ships since they count as units are overnumerous and go short-handed and democratic army reform almost invariably works out to some device for multiplying units by fission and counting men three times instead of twice in some ingenious and plausible way and this must be so because the sort of men who come inevitably to power under democratic conditions are men trained by all the conditions of their lives to so set appearances before realities as at last to become utterly incapable of realities the military and naval professions in our typical modern state will subsist very largely upon tradition the ostensible government will interfere with rather than direct them and there will be no force in the entire scheme to check the corrupting influence of a long peace to insist upon adequate exercises for the fighting organization or ensure an adequate adaptation to the new and perpetually changing possibilities of untried apparatus. Incapable but confident and energetic persons, having political influence, will have been permitted to tamper with the various arms of the service. The equipment will be largely devised to create an impression of efficiency in times of peace in the minds of the general voting public. And the really efficient soldiers will either have fretted themselves out of the army or have been driven out as political non effectives, troublesome, innovating persons, anxious to spend money upon fads. So armed, the new democracy will blunder into war, and the opening stage of the next great war will be the catastrophic breakdown of the formal armies, shame, and disasters and a disorder of conflict between more or less equally matched masses of stupefied scared and infuriated people just how far the thing may rise from the value of an alarming and edifying incident to a universal catastrophe depends upon the special nature of the conflict but it does not alter the fact that any considerable war is bound to be a bitter appalling highly educational and constitution shaking experience for the modern democratic state now foreseeing this possibility it is easy to step into the trap of the napoleonic precedent one hastens to foretell that either with the pressure of coming war or in the hour of defeat there will arise the man he will be strong in action epigrammatic in manner personally handsome and continually victorious he will sweep aside parliaments and demagogues carry the nation to glory reconstruct it as an empire and hold it together by circulating his profile and organizing further successes he will i gather this from chance lights upon contemporary anticipations codify everything rejuvenate the papacy or at any rate galvanize christianity organize learning in meek intriguing academies of little men and prescribe a wonderful educational system the grateful nations will once more deify a lucky and aggressive egotism and there the vision loses breath nothing of the sort is going to happen or at any rate if it happens it will happen as an interlude as no necessary part in the general progress of the human drama the world is no more to be recast by chance individuals than a city is to be lit by sky-rockets the purpose of things emerges upon spacious issues and the day of individual leaders is past the analogies and precedents that lead one to forecast the coming of military one-man dominions the coming of such other parodies of Caesar's career as that misapplied and speedily futile chess champion Napoleon I contrived, are false. They are false because they ignore two correlated things. First, the steady development of a new and quite unprecedented educated class as a necessary aspect of the expansion of science and mechanism, and secondly, the absolute revolution in the art of war that science and mechanism are bringing about this latter consideration the next chapter will expand but here in the interests of this discussion we may in general terms anticipate its gist war in the past has been a thing entirely different in its nature from what war with the apparatus of the future will be it has been showy dramatic emotional and restricted war in the future will be none of these things war in the past was a thing of days and heroisms battles and campaigns rested in the hand of the great commander he stood out against the sky picturesquely on horseback visibly controlling it all war in the future will be a question of preparation of long years of foresight and disciplined imagination there will be no decisive victory but a vast diffusion of conflict it will depend less and less on controlling personalities and driving emotions and more and more upon the intelligence and personal quality of a great number of skilled men all this the next chapter will expand and either before or after but at any rate in the shadow of war it will become apparent perhaps even suddenly that the whole apparatus of power in the country is in the hands of a new class of intelligent and scientifically educated men they will probably under the development of warlike stresses be discovered they will discover themselves almost surprisingly with roads and railways carts and cities drains food supplies electrical supply and water supply and with guns and such implements of destruction and intimidation as men scarcely dream of yet gathered in their hands and they will be discovered too with a growing common consciousness of themselves as distinguished from the gray confusion a common purpose and implication that this fearless analysis of science is already bringing to light they will find themselves with bloodshed and horrible disasters ahead and the material apparatus of control entirely within their power suppose after all they will say we ignore these very eloquent and showy governing persons above and this very confused and ineffectual multitude below suppose now we put on the brakes and try something a little more stable and orderly these people in possession have of course all sorts of established rights and prescriptions they have squared the law to their purpose and the constitution does not know us they can get at the judges they can get at the newspapers they can do all sorts of things except avoid a smash but for our part we have these really most ingenious and subtle guns suppose instead of our turning them and our valuable selves in a fool's quarrel against the ingenious and subtle guns of other men akin to ourselves we use them in the cause of the higher sanity and clear that jabbering war tumult out of the streets there may be no dramatic moment for the expression of this idea no moment when the new cromwellism and the new ironsides will come visibly face to face with talk and baubles flags and patriotic dinner-bells but with or without dramatic moments the idea will be expressed and acted upon it will be made quite evident then what is now indeed only a pious opinion namely that wealth is after all no ultimate power at all but only an influence among aimless police-guarded men so long as there is peace the class of capable men may be mitigated and gagged and controlled and the ostensible present order may flourish still in the hands of that other class of men which deals with the appearances of things but as some supersaturated solution will crystallize out with the mere shaking of its beaker so must the new order of men come into visibly organized existence through the concussions of war the charlatans can escape everything except war but to the cant and violence of nationality to the sustaining force of international hostility they are ruthlessly compelled to cling and what is now their chief support must become at last their destruction and so it is i infer that whether violently as a revolution or quietly and slowly this gray confusion that is democracy must pass away invariably by its own inherent conditions as the twilight passes as that embryonic confusion of the cocoon creature passes into the higher stage, into the higher organism, the world state of the coming years. End of chapter five, B. Recording by John Trebithick.